As you all know, Art and I are big supporters of organics, so we are really excited to say that this episode of Well and Good is brought to you by Series Organics. They have a really wide range of certified organic products, chemical-free and with no genetic modification at all, ensuring a healthy future for you, your families and the planet. All right, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Say I it. think this episode is an episode that everybody should listen to. Everyone. Everyone that has ever had a dollar in a bank account. So what about people that are incredibly good with money? Do they need to listen to this? Can't hurt. Hmm. Maybe they don't need to, but certainly won't hurt them physically in any way. Well, I mean, what, what does being good with money even mean? Well, we find out today with our guest... Carly Emery. We certainly do. We even pitched that exact question to him, along with many others. Uh, so he is one half of Money Men NZ. You might have heard of them. They're like a, a couple of financial gurus gone round spreading good info. A couple of Robin Hoods. Robin Hood and Robin. What's the other one? Um, Robin Hood and Big. Like a big something. Um, Robin Hood and. Little, oh, little oh, no. John. I'm, little John. I'm thinking of Batman <laughs> oh, wow. and Robin. I'm thinking of Little John the Rapper. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is a really, really interesting chat. It's financial help. We talk about, what else do we talk about? How to get out of debt, how to manage your finances, how to manage your mortgage, the state of the property market at the yeah, moment. coming out of COVID, how to invest, KiwiSaver. Do I invest in property? Do I invest in shares? How do I invest in shares? What is investing? Are there apps for that? Well, Carly's your man. Yeah, so it was a very grown-up podcast for us. Not that none of them are, but I meant for us personally. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) I think we should just dive in. Here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, yeah. Set the scene. We're just sitting here up in the the winterless north, up in our home. In our office, the first face-to-face podcast recording that we've had post-lockdown, which is quite exciting. Oh, what a privilege. Mm-hmm. I know. Lucky me. So thanks for driving all the way up to Walkworth. Really appreciate that. That's right. I've actually been in Mangawai all weekend, so I actually came down for the nice. first time. Yeah, I know I usually come up, but I thought I had to be here today. It was a long weekend. Why not get out? Yeah, totally. Magical so Mangawai. Nice up there, hey? Magical Mangawai. That's the one. Yeah. We've and saying that, we haven't even been up there. No, I mean, I have, haven't we been there before? No. Oh, okay. That's on the to-do list. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure it's great. <laughs> anyway, as exciting as this chat is for everyone listening, <laughs> let's, let's chat about you, Kelly. So you're a financial advisor. I am. And you're one half of Money Men. Yes. Can you talk us through that? The Money Men. Um, yeah, cool. So the Money Men is uh, my buddy Josh and I. He's another financial advisor. Um, he can't be here, obviously, but... We started the Money Men as a sub-brand of uh, the business we work for, 150 Group, all around educating Kiwis around financial literacy. Um, sort of what we what we do, I guess, is help people, well, we enlighten people on how money really works and how it should work, try and speak plain English, take all the jargon out of everything, because we all know finance historically has been filled with big words uh, unnecessarily. And, yeah, we just help people make better or smarter financial decisions. 
That's awesome because I feel like, I mean, I'm kind of speaking for myself here, but you leave school and you've kind of got no idea about anything. Like I remember just getting my first personal loan when I was 18 and I was fresh out of school and I just went to the bank and said, you know, hey, I need some money. And they were like, cool, do you want three grand? Here's a personal loan. I was like, okay. Absolutely. Is that how it works? You can just go to the bank and get a personal loan like that. Yeah, well, that's what I did. Yeah, when you're fresh out of school, for sure, because you've had no real experience with money. They don't have any records of you really having any transactions in your accounts or anything, so there's not much to go on. They'll test you with a little bit of money, and that kind of sets you up for the rest of your life and and how the banks look at you, in a way. Um, Like you say, Matt, it's, it's crazy that you can walk in there at such an age with no education. You're like, hey thinking about getting a car because I got my first job. And they think, <laughs> great, <laughs> she wants to lend money. She's got money to pay it back. How much do you want? Yeah. You know, and at that age, even some, like there's people who still haven't learned the lesson. They're still mid-40s, mid-50s even, taking a loan without thinking about the repercussions. So all I need is my money. There's eight flaming hoops that the banks told me I need to jump through. I'm going to do it because I just want my money. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's all. They don't think it through, and that, like I said, comes down to financial literacy. And unfortunately, that's Kiwis in general, and us as a nation, because we're a real Shelby Wright bunch. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure why, but our personal finance is a bit of a taboo subject. I don't know if you guys see it that way, but yeah. um, that's what we've found out in our experience. Yeah, and is it because that Kiwi families tend to? I mean, it's a huge. Generalization. I'm sure not every family is like this, but they sort of grow up uh, not really talking about money because they know that in my household it was considered like a bit rude to just sort of talk yeah. to people about money. Same. And so, so then we didn't even talk to each other about money. Um, so do you think that that's the norm? Absolutely. I think that is the norm. There are definitely um, small pockets that have made it their way out of that. Um, little, you know, families or, or small groups or clubs or, or whatever you want to call them. But the generalisation is that you just don't talk about money. And again, I'll look at my personal um, upbringing and I was taught to save and that was really the extent of my financial literacy. If you, The more money you save, the better you are with money mm-hmm. and that's it. My dad never talked to me about his income or what, how taxes work or even budgeting for that matter. So it was really just kind of earn money, save money, don't talk about it. Mm. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, sure. even I mean, at least you got the the um, education around saving. I mean, I suppose a lot of people don't even uh, sort of have that sort of drummed into them at an early age. Like, did you, Matt? Yeah, I did, but I don't think I really comprehended the importance of it at the time because mm. my parents said save, 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 and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll get to that later, mm. and then I just kind of never did until I was. <laughs> Like now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, until I was well into my 20s that I understood the importance of having mm. um, money kind of stashed away and not um, just kind of spending everything that you have as soon as you get it. You totally, know? and that's what we see is really common actually. It's um, We know we should save, we've been told to save, but how do I do it? We've got no methods of doing it. We don't know how much of our um, pay packet we should be putting away for a rainy day. It's kind of just, it's a word with no real meaning behind it, mm. generically, of course. I was, I was always a saver. I, um, I used to save my Easter eggs. I used to, like, <laughs> at Easter, I'd, I'd get all my Easter eggs, <laughs> I'd put them in the fridge, and I'd save them for months and slowly pick away at them. And meanwhile, my sister, who's a year and a half older than me, would eat hers all in one day, 
and then she'd get really angry at me that I'd saved them all. That's that's really weird that that you would save chocolate sometimes, and eat it later. Sometimes I'd save it for so long that it went off. What? Yeah, that's I, I know. not a normal Did you still thing eat it? to do. Probably still ate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a squirrel. Just have the satisfaction. Hey, with that, so with that education or the lack of education, where do you think? that should come from? Because I don't think the owner, owner should be put on the parents because not every parent is in the position where they um, have that knowledge, totally. have access to that knowledge. Totally. Um, or want to be responsible for part, like passing on that knowledge. So, like, do you think it should come in schools? Do you think... I was just thinking then when you're talking about the banks, like, should there be some sort of owner's place on the banks to provide that sort of knowledge? Or are they... They don't want to do anything to do with that because... Yeah, that's well, I mean, that's super subjective and it's mm. it's you know, a personal perspective, right? And, um, I mean, my view is that the banks should have some onus because the banks, like you say, um, well, like you said earlier, Maddie, are the ones giving out money and they're the ones giving out debt, which incurs interest, a whole other subject. No one knows how interest really works, <laughs> um, especially at 18 years old. I just have to pay that three grand back. I was the exact same. I got a loan. Had thought I had to pay the exact amount back. Didn't know interest was even in, on included. Mm. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, Art, I think banks should have some onus. I would love to see it in our education system. I know that's a huge rabbit hole, mm. um, and I think that's slowly starting to change. I don't know if you saw on our page the other day. I actually put up. I found it wasn't ours. Uh, a little meme that said, "Thank goodness I learnt um, about parallelograms and." <laughs> In high school, that'll come in real handy in parallelogram season. Because <laughs> you know? no one knows what budgeting or tax is, but we can make hokey pokey um, in science class with a Bunsen burner. Yeah, mm. so I would love to see it uh, introduced in the education system and at a younger age. Yeah. And there's groups out there doing that and trying to trying mm. to make that happen. Because um, it's confusing. I, it's yeah, it is really confusing. confusing. I agree. Absolutely. Like, I wish it was part of my maths um, curriculum. Like, I was just thinking, you know, I did. I think I did like the minimum math requirement to get university entrance type thing because I always got kicked out for talking so I didn't really enjoy math that much but I wonder if I would have enjoyed it more and I would have remembered more of the stuff that I'd learned if I found it more practical so if I'd like all the, like a lot of the equations and a lot of the workings working outs and things like that were to do with actual like buying houses and interests on loans and tax and things like that. Absolutely. And I, I guess in, in high school, I guess it starts where you can choose you want to do accounting or economics or anything mm. like that. But if I look back at myself in high school, I was asleep by the time that someone mentioned that word. You know, halfway through economics, I was asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be awesome, like you say, if it could be integrated into one of those, I guess, non-negotiable subjects mm. because it is so relevant to life, I guess, yeah. right? And, I mean, I don't I don't have any belief that money buys happiness, but mm. if you look at statistics and or, or whatever you want to look at, the, the, <laughs> the less financial stress you have, the less overall stress you have in yeah. reality, right? Um, yeah, so I think it needs to be one of those subjects that... Kiwis, anyway, just need to openly chat about mm. and try and do better because we all want to know more. We all want to do better. We just have no idea how. Mm. And so how how do you be good with money? Like where do you even start? Say, say you've got a bunch of debt, like you've got a bunch of higher purchases, you've got credit cards. Where do you even start to get that stuff sorted? Yeah, good question. And it's, it's a hard question to answer because it's so broad, right? And that's, yeah. I, that's actually the... the 
the main question we get is just where do I start? And our answer is consolidating everything. So getting some form of money management tool um, that you can throw all your numbers in with a person, like with an advisor, ideally, who can give you some direction on that. And then, what, what sort of um, ad- tool? What are you talking about there? So, I mean, it could be as simple as a spreadsheet, like, or you know, a glorified spreadsheet that has a few equations in there, which work out your interest based on your loans and what you pay back monthly or weekly or however you do it, mm. and that's going to give you at least some direction and a pathway on what debt to focus on first. Um, rule of thumb, pay off your most expensive debt first, not the biggest one. That's where people get caught up. the highest interest rate. Yeah, exactly, because that's going to cost you the most money over the short term. Um, most people, well, it's very common for people to focus on their largest debt first. So if they've got short-term debts like a $3,000 car loan and a mortgage, they'll mm-hmm. focus on the mortgage because it's the largest, whereas your mortgage right now, what, 2.8% has been, has been advertised recently, which is just... Insane, yeah. But you're paying between ten and twenty percent sometimes on this three thousand dollars. So what does that cost you? What's the cost difference? So yeah, that's that's a great place to start. It's just figuring out what exactly you are paying for on a monthly basis, maybe, and then chipping away at it from there. Are there any going just going back to the money management tools like a spreadsheet and stuff like that? Are there places you can find spreadsheets already sort of? A template. A template already there that people can just download and then you can plug in your numbers and plug in your loans and stuff? Yeah, there are a few out there. Um, They're all very specific to different uh, geographic locations, I guess you could say, but there's some awesome groups in New Zealand that are helping people do it. Um, We have a free money management tool. I don't know if I wanted to say that. I'm here to spread education. I don't (laughs) want to sell anyone anything. (laughs) But we send it out for free. Um, and if people do want some direction with that sheet itself, then yeah, a ten-minute phone call, and we can we can literally walk people through in ten minutes, cool. and they see their whole financial lives change in three, six, twelve months. It's it's honestly insane mm. what people can achieve just by putting it on paper. That's so cool because I guess that's where it gets overwhelming because if you've got a bunch of different debts and they're all different interest rates, it's all different numbers and, and you just jargon, think, where do I even, understand. I don't know what to do, you oh. know, you don't even know where to start. So it's, that's a really um, helpful hint. And uh, I guess the same could be said for like higher purchases because I remember getting sucked into this when I first met you, Art. like I had a bunch of different higher purchases because um, I got sucked in by the 12 months interest-free. And I was like, great, I'll pay it off in a few Big months. Trap, but I yeah. never did. Mm. I would always just kind of ignore it all night, 12 months, no payments or whatever it is. Yeah. Then they really get you with the interest. So if you laid it out and say one of those is, you know, $10,000 or whatever, um, but you've got a mortgage as well, you'd focus on the higher purchase because you'd want to get that way out of the way before the interest rates kind of go sky high. Totally. That's the priority. Um, I mean, there are ways to, to for your mortgage to swallow that debt as well, so it's all just about being on top of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, rule of thumb, that $10,000, if you go over the 12 months interest-free, will pop up to something ridiculous like 25 or 30% if you're speaking about some of these um, these credit cards. But that 30% on $10,000 is going to be a lot more expensive in the short term, one, two years, then. 2.8% on your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Obviously, always pay your mortgage off to some capacity. Don't completely ignore it and put all your money on that debt. Mm. But um, figure out what's costing what and, yeah, go from there. Mm. That's a great place to start. It's the best place to start, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So with higher purchases that have the interest-free terms, do the way that, the way that they work is they kind of just have what interest it would have had over the whole term, but then they make it into a shorter term by delaying it for that first period, whether it's like a year or two years or three years or whatever. And then they just like compile it all <laughs> for the remainder of it. So you're paying heaps. So the whole idea is you really do want to pay it off in that interest-free zone. If you have a plan to pay it off, in the interest-free period, it's awesome. Mm. Go for it. But make sure you have a plan and think about it worst case. Don't think, oh, yeah, if I do this and this and this, I can do it. Think about what if this happens, this happens, can I do it? You know what I mean? Because 12 months is free, awesome, but it will jump up to 30%, and it is a sales tool from whoever's giving it out. Wherever you find these um, interest-free credit cards, it's that short term. They basically just add a year onto the end of the term, and that's at the higher rate. So it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, um, a stab and hope from the uh, whoever's giving it away because all they're hoping is people won't pay it off in the twelve months, you know, because that's where they make their money. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So my advice there would be think about it worst case. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what if what if something happens? Not oh well. If I do this, I will make it work because that's where the trap is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And. In terms of uh, financial stress, um, there's a really strong link. Um, I mean, I've read it somewhere, can't tell you where, but that <laughs> um, uh, divorce and um, finances are like top two um, stresses of the modern world mm-hmm. and that can have a severe effect on your mental health. So what advice do you have for, for someone that's just feeling really kind of stressed out about that? Yeah, or what, yeah what do you see? out there, like the correlations between the two? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, and it's funny you, you bring up divorce and finance. There was a, um, I don't know if you saw the NZ Herald put out a bit of a Money Week um, campaign last year. And it was some, they, they threw together a whole bunch of results from different surveys from around the world. And for the very first time, that survey, which is done every year in, I think it was focused on Europe, um, but it paints a good picture anyway, the number one result for anxiety and stress was finance, um, and it's never been in the top five. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty incredible. And the reason I brought up that divorce point, actually, was we read something again late last year. It might have been in the same article. Um, over 60% of divorces recorded uh, come down to financial reasons. And it might go back to that point of not talking about it and, and you know, it being that taboo subject. Um and the only way to really get around that is to to be real, to sit down and figure it out. So to answer your question about um, what we see out there and, and how people are reacting, it, all, it just all, they all hold hands, right? So you get yourself into bad debt, you try and ignore it because you're not really sure what's going on and how it works to a point where you just can't ignore it anymore because you've got a debt collector or, or someone knocking on your door asking for your money back and it just gets a bit too much, right? And there, I mean, there are some, some, some really crazy statistics out there about suicide and financial stress and people, like I say, just going into the rabbit hole and swiping cards left, right and centre, not knowing what it means, living 130% out of their, you know, over their budget. Um, and it all getting too much, and, and that's where it ends. So for us to be able to combat that, it's a, it's a conversation, and, and I think we've spoken before 
about the Movember campaign last year about just mm. talk to a mate. It's honestly that easy. Like if we're, I hope the boys at Movember don't mind me stealing their slogan, but <laughs> talk to a mate about the simplest things. Like, man, I made a bad decision. I spent this much money. Um, I need to do something about it. Do you have any advice for me? Do you know someone who has advice for me? Because that's how a message gets delivered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can't all come down to people like me. Or And there's a lot of people out there doing this, this delivering this message, but not everyone gets to hear it. Mm. Mm. So I think there, there'd be so many people that would have, have this kind of secret stress of they're living beyond their means or they don't have enough to, to uh, pay their debts or whatever it might be. But I feel like, because um, I remember when we were first together out, I had the same thing. I had like a bunch of credit cards and I was like, oh my God, like where do I even start? I was kind of down this rabbit hole. Mm. Um, but I remember telling you about it and just being like, hey, so, you know, like I got a bit of debt here here and there. It's a bit annoying. I'm trying to get rid of it. And then like as soon as I said it to you, because I'd never talked about it with anyone because it's like it's just something that you feel like you can't talk about. Absolutely. But why, then it was why, really okay. good because I felt like you helped me make a plan and then, then I felt like it wasn't so embarrassing and then I could could talk to a few friends about it and be like, hey, have you guys been in the same situation? How did you get out of it? And, and then if your friends and family are aware, then it can be a lot easier because they can be like, hey, let's catch up. Should we just go for a walk? Or or like we could, you know, like grab a picnic. It doesn't have to be this big expensive dinner out or anything. And then people understand, you know, people totally get it. If you're honest with them and say, hey, I need some help in terms of like reining in my spending, really need to save a bit of money. Can you guys have my back with this? And people are usually pretty good. Yeah. What do you think it is that makes people not want to, have those conversations like what made you feel like it was hard for you to talk about that sort of thing well I think that everybody wants to seem like they've got it all together and they've got it all sorted out they're they're nailing life and that they're organized and everything's fine but I think in reality there are so many people like even people on Instagram that that are really flashy or they're spending a lot of money like sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got a lot of money but but I think people are just so they've got this version of themselves that they want other people to to see them as um well that's how I felt anyway like Mm. I didn't want to admit that I had done something wrong or that I wasn't good with finances or anything like that yeah yeah, yeah, I guess that, again, there's like, if I think about some people I know or have, or have dealt with in the past, they don't know what position their friends are in. And again, it's that conversation. So if their friends aren't in there, why am I in there? Maybe I just shouldn't tell them that I am. So, and it comes down, like there's something so simple as, oh, the guys are going to have a beer. I know I shouldn't because I don't really have the money for it. But what does that mean? What does that make me look like, right? Mm. And, yeah, so I think it's a, a, a that points a lot more. There's a lot more um, depth to be discussed around it because yeah. there's so many variables and moving parts. But that's a huge, huge cause. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think time. just just being honest and encourages other people to be honest as well because say you're a group of friends, one person suggests you go out for dinner to a fancy place. There, there could be five other people in that group that are all thinking the same thing like, Cramp, I, don't, I can't really afford it at the moment. Mm. Like I should be saving, but everyone's like, "Oh, well, everyone else is doing it." But if Absolutely. one person is just like, "Guys, can we go somewhere cheaper?" or like have dinner around at my place, 
then it sort of opens up the the um, conversation and chances are someone else is relieved too. You're like, oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nine <laughs> times out of ten, I mean, because we talk to people about this all the time, right, on a one-on-one basis, nine times out of ten, um, if someone has said to their group, you know, because everyone has a group chat on Messenger or WhatsApp or whatever it is, I can't afford it, there's, there's at least two other people who say the same thing. Oh, yeah, me neither. I really want to hang out with you guys. Of course, you're my best mates. But I can't afford to go and spend $80 on dinner tonight. You know what I mean? Mm. And I can't do it twice a week either. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it is. Sure. It really is just about, I mean, in lack of a bit of expression, it's just, it's just being honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, okay, so say you're in a bit of a, a tricky spot and you, you've talked to your friends, you may be getting a bit of financial advice, you're working on a bit of a plan, um, what else, what else can people do? P- paying off your loans, the, you know, the hefty ins- um, interest ones first. What are, what are some other tips that people might be able to do to help in that situation? Um, there's a lot of things, I guess. So like I said, step one is always, well, having discussion should always be step one. And I hate using the word budgeting because it's, um, it's just got that annotation behind it, right? People hear budgeting and they think, oh, that means I can't go and have a beer. That means I can't do the things I want. And it's not what it means. Um, I use the, we use the term, uh, sorry, we, the money men, <laughs> use the term money management um, because that's all it is. You can go have a beer, but it's not four times a week. You know what I mean? So it's just picking what you want, um, what you want most versus what you want right now. And I guess that's the same as goal setting, which I know you guys are big fans of goal setting. Most people, they attach goal setting to high school, right? And they hear goal setting and they think, oh, no, thank you. Yeah, my smart goals and all the rest of it. Um, But it's so important. It's that same concept of putting it on paper and getting what you want, because we all have an idea of what we want out of life, and that's kind of what we help people do. It's just putting it on paper and making it simple, breaking it down, reverse engineering it so it's just a to-do list rather than goals. You know what I mean? Mm. And people, I don't. People are amazed every time, and it's such a simple process that six months after starting it, they have achieved their first goal, and they've achieved their second goal. And it doesn't always have to be buying a new car or buying your first home or going on a massive holiday. It can be, um, you know, going to the gym four times a week. Everything as simple as that. So I can, because in two years I want to run a marathon, or in two years I want to do an Ironman, um, which Josh actually did. Same thing, like never really had any ambition to do it, but just thought it was cool, reverse engineered it. Two years later, he had done his first Ironman. And awesome. that's so cool to see people achieve um, what they want to achieve. So sorry, I, I digressed a little bit there. But no, I loved it. Yeah. It was good. What we can help people do is place their money in, in better places um, to get more out of it. So, because my point before of our financial literacy stops at saving um, no one really understands what they get out of saving. And are you guys familiar with the term inflation? Yes, I remember it from school. But yeah. So yeah. basically it's a percentage um, that relates to a dollar and it's the percentage that a dollar grows, well, economically in the background, uh, per annum. So that's the reason... So it's the value uh, you always of that hear, We always hear our parents say, you know, a, a bottle of milk was 50 cents or a, a loaf of bread was 50 cents when I used to go down to the dairy. Now it's like $6 or whatever it is. Uh, so that's inflation, right? That's a great example of it. Um, oh, I forgot my point of what I spoke about inflation there. 
So we were talking about... <laughs> well, we, yeah, we were talking about um, savings. Oh, savings. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Right. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys have looked at a savings account recently, but you'd generically not get any more than 1.8, maybe 2% if you're lucky. Inflation is 3%. So theoretically, your money's not actually keeping up with inflation. So that's what I mean about financial literacy. So instead of just saving for a rainy day, what's happening with your savings? So you could put that in something like a term deposit, which a lot of people know about. That's a great example, which might get you 3 4 even 5%, depending on where that term deposit is held, if it's with a bank or something like that. Or um, investing, you know, share market. Everyone always wants to be part of the share market because it's this glorious um, golden thing above the horizon and... People it's in the get, movies people and it seems like the cool Yeah, thing. Wall Street yeah. And, and all the rest of it. People make money off the share market, so I want to do it. But no one knows how and no one asks how. No one asks a professional or someone who knows what they're talking about. So that would be somewhere I point. I would point um, a lot of people at um, into an index fund or something like that to, to, to begin with. Mm-hmm. An index fund um, in layman's terms is a fund that's managed by money managers, you know, um, like a, a third party, and it's it's a fund that invests in a whole bunch of different businesses. So if you guys heard of the NZX50, mm-hmm. that's a really common one. So that's the 50 largest businesses in New Zealand. Um, what that does, you put $10 towards the NZX50, that $10 goes across 50 businesses rather than on one because if that one business was to tank, all your money's gone. So you've got 49 other businesses diversifying your risk. So that's a really good way just to put money in on a weekly basis, whatever you have spare. It could be $5, $10, and then the accumulative interest on the background, in the background, is growing your money. Mm. So that's a really good, I mean, it's it's a slow way to get rich, I guess, is what, what you'd say. Mm. But what, like historically, historically, what is the average interest rate that you'd be earning by placing it there? Depends on whose fund it is, but right now you're looking at roughly 10% average. Right, so that's mm. better than the 1.5% you get for putting it in a savings account. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. 1.5, 1.8, whatever it is. So just just going back to the inflation thing, so I just want to get my head around that. So you're saying if you put money in your savings account, say you got $1,000 mm-hmm. in your savings account and it's earning 1.5, 1.8% interest, and then you're saying inflation's at like 3%. So essentially, if you have it in there for a year, what you can buy with that $1,000 at the start of the year and then what you can buy at the end of the year is less. Yep. So you're losing. Eventually <laughs> you're losing, not losing money, but you're losing value. Yeah, Are effectively. You? That's yeah. the formula, right? So wow. there's less you can buy at the end of the year. So what? unless you're putting a lot of savings in on a weekly, monthly, whatever, mm. whatever basis it is to keep up, um, that savings aren't really effective you know, because the price of whatever you're saving for will be going up most mm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the time. Now going back to the investing in um, shares. So you said like putting in sort of like I don't know, a, a certain amount a week and, and that sort of thing. How, like I thought that you kind of had to go to like big sort of companies and they'll have minimums that you need to invest with them and it's usually like my thousands of dollars. Are there places you can go that you only need to invest little bits at a time? Yeah, there's places you can go, and see that's a that's a really common um, perspective too, because it's that jargon industry. And you kind of just assume that investing is for rich people only. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and I guess it's kind of been painted that way 
uh, here, which is really unfortunate because you've got you, no one wants the um, the old guy and his three hundred dollar tie coming and and sitting in your living room for three hours, <laughs> teach, telling you about why you should give him your money and how what he's going to do with it. Um, so you don't have to go and you know it's not a ten thousand dollar minimum. It's not a bloody. Um, oh, why I say that? You can say bloody. You can say bloody. Yeah. Um, There's been far worse. <laughs> <on this podcast. laughs> you know, it's not a, a grand casino in Vegas where it's a ten thousand dollar buy-in. It's not this big crazy thing. You can just open up a fund. And there's online platforms now where you don't actually have to tell, talk to anyone, but they've got blogs and um, a whole bunch of educational pieces that you can learn as you go and you can watch your money move and it teaches you what's actually happening at the same time rather than, here, old mate, here's 10 grand. Um, I hope to hear from you soon, I guess, because that's <laughs> yeah. what it kind of used to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's what Josh and I are focusing on and, and changing it from jargon and, and this crazy un- uh, misunderstood industry to like I mean I'm wearing a flannel shirt and a and a cap, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I love it. If I an old it. financial advisor looked at me, he would just shake his head. <laughs> Where's your three hundred dollar time? Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you exactly. are wearing sort of I say one and a half thousand dollar Italian leather boots though, which is <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're just wearing bands. <laughs> so on that sort of um, investing through sites and everything, is there a way that you can make sure that they're certified? Because I would imagine that there'd be some scams. Yeah, and, and are there any that you could recommend? Uh, yes to both. So um, all financial advisory companies mm-hmm. um, are required to put their um, terms of engagement and their disclaimers on their site, which will be some, some of them are a little bit hidden because they're really trying to get the message across and that's the big um, delivery there. But, yeah, so what can I recommend? There are some awesome ones out there, some Kiwi companies, um, one called Kernel, which I've recently started using. We interviewed, Josh and I interviewed the um, CEO and founder of Kernel, which is K-E-R-N-E-L, recently, and he, again, is just trying to help Kiwis. And it's that whole... Removing the stigma from the stock market to the share market and just, this is what your money can do, like, let me show you how. And they do it very visually online, which a lot of people love because, well, I mean, I'm the same. I love visuals. Mm. <laughs> it's so much easier, pretty pictures. Um, and it's motivating, like, if you see it coming. It is, it's exciting. In, you know, Gets you, you excited. think, cool. Yeah. Mm. Rather than a whole bunch of digits and decimals. And you can't, that's, I guess, one of those other things that confuses people because you read half of it and you're like, <laughs> I'm lost. Yeah. yeah. Even me still sometimes. Mm. Um, and there's another platform which is really cool. So Kernel's one of those index funds um, providers. So, you know, long-term investment, which is very key. You need to know your strategy. There's another platform called Hatch, which lets you go and pick your um, – your companies in the States and stuff. So they're another New Zealand company. They're based down in Wellington. We interviewed the general manager of that last week as well, Kristen. She's awesome. Really cool lady. But yeah, they they help educate Kiwis um, rather than just take their money, I guess. Mm. And they they handle all the taxes and stuff in the background, which is really helpful. So you don't have to worry about all that. Uh, And another one is Sharesies. Um, lots of people have heard about Sharesies. I don't know if you guys have. Yeah, I've heard of Sharesies. Heard about it, yep. Yep, so that's a, a classic example of index funds as well. So um, you'd see you, you put your money in your wallet and then you go and choose kind of what you're into. And so there's the NZX50s all, this on there. on an app. Yeah, it's yep. on an app or on the URL. I always use the URL because it's a little bit more um, 
Easier it's to read, clear. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yep. yes, bigger screen. Maybe it's just my eyes. Um, but yeah, so they focus on index funds as well. So you can check your money in different groups of things. But my advice to people when they're starting with investing is invest in something you're passionate about or something you know about. So um, my brother turned 18 two weeks ago. I got him his first Nike share because he knows about it. He plays basketball and that's what he's into. But if I went and bought him something like, you know, in bioscience, he would not bother learning anything. So he's always buying Nike product, buy him a Nike share, and he kind of, he can correlate between the two. Mm-hmm. He understands what's going on and how, then he, he cares about um, what the share's doing in terms of pricing. Oh, it's gone up $3 or, oh, you know, I've lost money. And he starts to teach himself because it's very visual. So that's a great, um, actually Hatch is a great, I used Hatch to buy that share. So I don't know what you guys are really, well, you guys are interested in a lot of things. But um, lots of people out there might know about Apple or Netflix or, you know, some of those really crazy ones. Mm. Um, Everyone wants to invest in Tesla because they're always in the right place, (laughs) (laughs) always in the headlines anyway. Um, But, yeah, so my advice would be to begin with invest in something you already know about because Mm. you uh, subconsciously already understand it a lot more Mm. as a company rather than going and trying to find the big performer to get rich quick. Here's a quick message from our sponsors, Ceres Organics. Short on time, maybe you're looking to swap out meat for more plant-based options? Introducing new jackfruit meals from Ceres Organics. With three delicious flavours, barbecue, Mexican and Thai, you've hit the easy plant-based meal jackpot. Yep, it really is a jackpot, and they're incredibly quick and easy to heat up, and you can just add them to whatever creation you like. Put them on your nachos, throw them in a taco, put them on some loaded fries, have them on rice, maybe in a burger, even a salad. Gluten-free and vegan, made with pure, wholesome ingredients. So if you're wondering what jackfruit is all about, jackfruit is a sustainable crop and has a similar texture to shredded meat, which makes it a really versatile plant-based meal. So ask for them at your local supermarket, health food store, or check them out at www.series.co.nz. That's C-E-R-E-S.co.nz. What are your thoughts on KiwiSaver? Because I didn't actually know that, well, up until five years ago or so, I didn't know that, that KiwiSaver was essentially what you're talking about, that, that they take that money and invest it in different businesses. I just assumed that it just kind of sat there and accumulated sure. interest. Um, and I found out that some of that money is invested probably in businesses that I wouldn't personally invest mm-hmm. into. Um, so... What are your thoughts around that? So would you advise someone to take their money out of KiwiSaver and invest it um, through one of these companies or, or keep it in KiwiSaver? Or well, can you even take it out of KiwiSaver? Yeah, that's a... I don't so, you can, right? Yeah, oh, can, no, you can't. No. Can you? No, no, no. So KiwiSaver is very cool because it allows us to, to buy our first homes with it, mm. which a lot of... Um, its equivalents from around the world don't allow you to do. So we're very lucky in that sense. Um, it's, it's otherwise the only two times you can use it are for financial hardship. Uh, and it's a very, a very lengthy process to, to get that signed off. Um, and then that money is being allocated directly to, you know, debts or, or what, what have you. Mm. Um, and then when you turn 65 is the other one. So, which is awesome because then effectively your KiwiSaver becomes the world's most powerful checking account. Realistically, you can keep it in there. Lots of people think you have to take it all out immediately. You can keep it in there and let let it grow interest. I mean, 
if you have enough in there in the first place, you could probably make more on a day than you'd get to spend. Like it's it's really cool. So, Maddie, my views on KiwiSaver are it's awesome. Everyone mm. should have it. Everyone should try and understand it. It's hugely misunderstood. Everyone kind of ticks the box at their first job or the next job or whatever, um, and leaves it with a bank in a default fund, which is basically the waiting platform at the train station instead of actually jumping on a train. You're on that that holding period. So there are three main kinds of funds. Your what have you got? You've got your moderate fund, your growth fund, and oh, your conservative, conservative fund down the bottom. Yeah, so it's all about your appetite for risk again, what you want out of it, how much you're willing to lose in order to gain some more. But there are some cool providers out there, some Kiwi providers that uh, recently have been proven to make a lot more money than some large establishments without without naming them. Mm. Um, and then there are some, some providers... Um, that focus on investing in ethical funds, you know, which I know you guys are familiar with, CareSaver. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome group, really cool people. They only invest in, um, figuratively, they only invest in what's good for the world mm. or the environment. So no awesome. no investing in, in warfare or prostitution or um, gambling. alcohol, gambling. Yeah, yeah, tobacco. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that they're pretty cool. That's actually who we've got ours. Okay, we save it with. Yeah. Um, and so, okay, so we've kind of covered investments a little bit, sort of. But now that we're in the COVID era, that the economy's taken a bit of a hit, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a crazy time. So, what do you see the state of the economy being now? And do you think we're heading into a recession? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. It's hard because we're in such a crazy landscape. And I mean, I haven't been here before, you know, well, no one has, right? So um, it's hard to try and look into the crystal ball and get an accurate reading. Um, But we're having conversations with economists every week and and, and people who are kind of a little bit more um, opinionated on, on, on on that subject. So the common common direction we're finding and we're having discussions around is we are heading into a recession of some sort. We've come out of lockdown. New Zealand has done arguably the best in the world at maintain or at uh, managing the whole process, um, which is, which is huge massive, like take my hat off to, to the people up top, you know, running, running what, what they're running. Um, so, We've come out of that. We've come out of lockdown. A lot of people have lost their job, unfortunately. There's a lot of people benefiting too um, in reality. Mm. Um, so we've come out and we're in this, what we see is almost a, a fake peak, a false peak, because everyone's come out with some confidence. They're spending some money because they were so bored. And everyone's trying in their to support home. local businesses. Yeah, big time, which is awesome because I think that's the way um, – everything's going to move. We're all going to be a lot more focused on supporting the guys down the road rather than jumping on, um, oh, I don't know, Amazon or something yeah. to, to get in the same thing for $3 cheaper. So you realise how, how important it is now to support Kiwi businesses because they're a lot more economy. fragile, right? Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of discussions around the property market dropping. Nothing's really shown that as of yet, but um, the the – Average discussion we're having is about ten percent in the next twelve to eighteen months for property drop. Property drop, right. yeah. Um, whether so, that happens or not. So yeah. if people are looking to potentially buy a property, maybe 
wait for a little bit? Yeah, well, be very careful. And like I say, make a plan. Like that's the big one. So what is the worst case situation? How secure is your job realistically? And how secure is your income? Because that's what the banks are caring about right now. They've Mm -hmm. taken away, the Reserve Bank took away the loan to value ratio um, ruling. Which basically is your, you know, your twenty percent deposit, which we've all been brought up to to save. Yeah. Um. So there's no percentage on what you need as a deposit now. Well, the Reserve Bank have removed that rule, but the banks can kind of play it how they want. So right. all they've really done is lowered that percentage. Um. Which means, yeah, you don't need to save as much of a deposit anymore. Yeah. So if people are, let's say, there was, um, what's a good example that I've dealt with recently? Like, uh, uh, a, a few clients of mine, a couple. Um, had 18% and they were just saving for that 20% because that's where we wanted to be. Once that rule was removed, they can effectively just go and press and press the big green button, you know what I mean? Um, the flip side of that is the banks are going to be very, very strict on servicing. So how secure is your income and can you pay this money back over the next 15, 30 years, you know, instead of the, the, the deposit, I guess, has just the focus has shifted, Mm. Um, and the third part of that is the character and how good you are with your accounts. So if you did have a loan, did you pay it back in time? Because mm. they do care about that sort of, sort of stuff. They want to be giving their money to people they know will give it back on time. So say you've had a bit of a dodgy credit um, background. Mm-hmm. How can you fix that so, so that the banks think that, you know, you're, you're better at paying back your mortgage? Potential that, mortgage. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it all depends. Each bank looks at it differently, and it depends on where that bad debt was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they look at things very differently. If you didn't pay your phone bill and that went to to um, Baycorp or something for $900 versus you had a loan with the bank and you didn't pay that back. Banks look at that a lot more seriously, naturally. Yeah. So the rule of thumb is if you've been to a debt collector, you've really got to wait five years before it's wiped. If you've been to a debt collector for a bank loan, that that bank will, will 80% of the time will probably make it very hard for you to lend. The other banks don't see that. Mm-hmm. So I guess the best way around that the big loophole there is going to, if you're looking at a mortgage, go to a mortgage broker rather than directly to the bank because and just be honest with them because so many people try, again, still embarrassed, uh, they don't want to talk about that debt or the, the, the Bay Court bill that they had. Just be honest with your broker because it's your broker's job to go and get you the best mortgage possible. And the more info that they know, the better the job they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say that's the big loophole around getting around um, past debts. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, mm. Okay. I want to know about... Um, so in this, with with COVID, we've the government's like borrowed all this money, billions of dollars, to pay everyone mm-hmm. this wage subsidy. Where does that money come from, and like how does that all work? <laughs> that money comes from a whole bunch of different places. I don't actually know the answer because there's there is, there's a lot of money in that pool. Mm. Some of it's from taxes and other reserves, and um, they did lend some of it. Um, so I'm, I I actually can't answer that. What if they print it? Well, because like oh, well, there was a discussion around money printing. Actually, there'd be a little bit of that. Because that's what I don't understand. Like, why don't yeah, why don't we just print more money? And then like, why? Because then there's like 
I learned about this in and economics. Then, yeah, um, you, you obviously would, would be able to help answer this. But like, <laughs> you don't want me to. And then, yeah, no, yeah thanks, man. No, yeah, you take this one, one. <laughs> um, And then, hey, so, because like, why can't all countries just just print money or, or you know, make, like, essentially it's all, it's just numbers on a screen. Can't you just like add a couple of extra zeros to every country in the same ratio evenly and then just call it a day? Yeah, well, that's, that's a huge discussion, and there are so many um, perspectives on it. So you could sit, I mean, if you came to our office and we got a roundtable of people, it'd just be a screaming match. So um, <laughs> effectively, what's that, yeah, effectively what that's doing is diluting your currency. So unless the whole world does it, and every the UN um, sit around a table and sign off that every single, every single country will, um, your nation will be diluting their currency. So when you do go, when the when the borders open back up and you want to travel around the world, our dollar is going to be worth, you know, nothing. And um, an example of that is everyone kind of knows about where Greece came from and where they went. Um, they they used to print some money, you mm-hmm. know. So and, and I mean, look at where they're sitting right now. So Everything all you're else. doing is making your dollar. Uh, well, you're taking the value out of your own dollar. Right. Yep. So, but if, if everyone did it, then it would be okay, right? Well, if everyone did it, but I would say that's quite a large conversation and a, and a, yeah. and a reasonably timely um, mm. discussion yeah. to have. Whether it happens in the next six months would be, a, well, it's, it's very doubtful, I guess. And I wonder if it's that same thing of just putting a bit of a Band-Aid over a problem because the problem is surely management, right? Yeah, totally. But, I mean, I don't know, just to get people out of... Yeah, of a tough spot, but I don't know. Yeah, hey, who hey. knows? We're yeah. not economists mm, yet. <laughs> yet. Yet, yet, yet. this podcast, um, keyword. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got a question about recessions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they work? Because it kind of seems like a recession is just when everyone freaks out and then everyone thinks there's a recession, so that causes the causes the recession. Yeah, well, that's a huge cause of the recession. It's fear. Yeah. Right. So people um, they lose confidence and. In the economy, so they stop spending money. You stop spending money with the shop down the road. They don't get to spend money with their coffee supplier, who doesn't get to spend money on their mortgage, and, and it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. Um, we did a great example of this one when COVID first hit and the NBA shut down, the Basketball uh, National Basketball Association of America, and that's you know thirty to fifty thousand people twice a week not coming to an arena spending money on the guy who's selling peanuts and what does that mean for him he's you know realistically he's probably homeless so um it is very very fear-based right but unfortunately it's almost impossible effectively to go and tell everyone you don't have to worry you Mm. know just just look after your dollars and they'll look after you but still spend money down the road. And I think what New Zealand's done really, really well, and it's awesome to see, like we said before, is they're focusing on their local economy. And I think that's the way it's going to move. So a recession, uh, to answer your question, is just when um, people stop spending money, so people stop making money. Right. That's really it in layman's terms, mm. yeah, right. to simplify it. I mean, there's a lot more moving parts to it, obviously, but that yeah, that's it because it's just... It's it's a it's a circle, it's mm. a cycle, yeah. So, so hope, hopefully we come out of the whole uh, COVID situation okay because it does seem like there's a lot of spending going on at the moment. 
So, uh, yeah, yeah, which so is kind of be, inflated okay. our economy in the short term, and we, that's that's what's so hard to pre- to predict, and what that's really going to do for our economy because mm. um, we've we've relied on tourism and exports for so long. It's like you know, so long, and tourism is more or less um, well, uh, what's the word? Suffering. For, yeah, well, it's definitely suffering. Yeah. It's dormant. Almost, yeah. And exports again, because there's so many ports around the world that aren't accepting anything. So what has happened with Kiwis going and and buying locally has it's just reinvigorated everyone spending their own money. It's given them confidence. But so because we can keep the shop um, down the road open. Although if we stop spending money with them, like if you look at a coffee shop, they they're very cash flow reliant, right? So as soon as people stop spending money on their coffee, which I know is a very small thing, that coffee shop goes out of business. And like I said before, the coffee beans then stop coming, so they're not being bought. They go out of business, and, yeah, it's just it's a domino effect. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so, like, someone who's good with money, you know you often hear people say, oh, yeah, he's good with money, she's good with money. What... Do you think that means? And if you could sort of draw a plan or a roadmap of like, you know, person grows up, they go to school, they get a job, what should they be investing in? What should they be doing with their money? Like, what do you think is a good little thing to be aiming for along the way? That's um, that's awesome. I think, again, it comes down to everyone's own financial literacy and their perspective on money because... I think from a from a relative point of view and the people I know and, um, you know, my extended circles, that person's good with money means they're always questioning before they spend. That's that's in simplest form. So, again, not going to dinner. Mm. Right? Oh, look, I can't afford that. I've got other things to prioritise. That effectively has been good with money, right? So, and, but in terms of that roadmap, um, it's, again, it all comes down to what you really want out of life. Uh, I'm a huge advocate of property because it's proven in New Zealand. Um, since property values were uh, big, well, since property value recordings began in New Zealand, which was 50 odd years ago, maybe just over, the average increase in house costs, uh, house value has been 7% per annum. Wow. Roughly, which means it takes 10 years for the value of your property to double. Yeah, which isn't a long time, you know. If you're no. buying a five hundred thousand dollar property and you've got four hundred thousand dollars debt, in ten years you've only got three hundred thousand dollars debt, but it's a million, so you've got seven hundred grand effectively, hmm. which is awesome. So it's it's tested and it's proven. But yeah, so for the for the roadmap, I mean, leaving school, getting a job, creating income, however you want to do that, it doesn't have to be one income. I mean, the more income the better. But that depends on how you want to spend your time, if you have hobbies, if you don't. Um, and then, like I said, having a money manager tool of some sort, even if it's like as simple as having a whiteboard on your wall somewhere at home and tallying every time you spend $5 or something like that and allocating a percentage of your every pay packet to different things. So 5% of my pay packet's going to invest in the share market. 5% is going towards saving for a home. 5% is going towards, uh, or 10% is going towards my weekly um, good times with my mates, you know, and 60% are my living expenses, my rent, my 
bills, my food, that sort of stuff. So it's just allocating allocating what money you do have coming in to what's going out. That, that to me, is being good with money. Mm. Mm. So you also mentioned just about the increasing increases in um, property value and, you know, doubling in 10 years, which is probably um, awesome to hear for people that have property or, you know, maybe just about to buy property. But what about people who, uh, say, maybe some like kids who would listen to this, mm. like teenagers or something, mm-hmm. and they're thinking like, okay, well, these properties that I can't afford right now in Auckland, um, by the time I you know, am earning money and might be able to save a deposit, they're going to be twice as expensive as they are. Yeah. Like, how does that all work out? Is it going to, like, does it just keep growing and growing and growing? What happens? Uh, it will keep growing and growing, yeah. And I guess if you look at history, um, it'll get harder if you if you take our generation versus our parents. And, you know, but their, their first mortgage was at 20%. Interest, so the percentages, uh, the interest keeps coming down, and you see the minimum wage has just continued to gone up too. So it is mitigated um, by by other financial aspects out there, but to get around that, I mean, yeah, it's just we're in touch with the world now through the tech age too, right? So whether those house values keep increasing to that capacity or not is a whole nother question but we can i mean e-commerce huge trend right now we can sell things to people in in la you know which we couldn't do 20 years ago Mm. without it being really really difficult and we don't even have to spend our money on things to get them into our to our own little warehouse we can have things in la that we're selling to other people in la which is crazy. So there are just more ways to create income now, I guess. Yeah. And I guess we're going to have to rely on that a little bit to, to mitigate yeah. um, getting into your first home or whatever it might be. But the government's helping out too. There's um, first home grants and, and all sorts. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's going to be too much of a – I mean, it's going to be – there's definitely going to be some difficulty level to getting into your first home like there always has been, but I think it's being mitigated pretty well mm. um, from all directions. Yeah, and I think people are are slowly getting paid a bit more as well, you know, because if I think maybe 10 or 15 years ago, maybe even uh, closer, that 100K was like a lot for a a salary. Like I remember thinking that that was a lot of money. But now you see articles on stuff in the Herald about people saying that, that they're in a 100k household or a 200k household and they're still struggling to make ends meet because of mortgages and different things absolutely um so i think that people are um getting paid more and more is this what i'm saying what am i even saying i, yeah. I tuned out about 30 <laughs> seconds ago <laughs> the in- income average income is average, rising yes that's yeah. what i'm trying to say and yeah. so i think that it's it's not rising as much as property, but we're we're slowly we're slowly getting there, aren't we? Yeah, and that comes like I said, the minimum wage goes up. So if you look at a construction company, the apprentice used to make nine dollars an hour, and now he's making eighteen, nineteen, or, or or whatever he's making. So the guys on the top end, the skilled guys who used to be making twenty two dollars an hour, are only three dollars difference. There's no way they're accepting that. So their employer then has to pay them thirty five, forty, fifty bucks an hour. For mm. all, you know, so like I said, it's all a domino effect. So mm. as minimum wage goes up, everyone on the top end, the skilled and experienced people, are getting paid more. So your salary average is going up too. So I guess then, 
minimum wage would have to increase at 7% to then equal the increase in... For nothing really to change. For nothing really to change. But it's probably not increasing at 7%. No. No. No, not every year, no. Which then, I guess, equals a growing uh, divide between wealthy and not so wealthy. Um, like people who can, af- not- I get like essentially people who can afford to buy property. Then it's kind of like a growing divide between people who can't afford to buy property. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all can't. heard the term well, "the rich get now. richer," right? Yeah, and that's easy because the more mm. money you have, the more money you can make. But everyone, most people anyway, start in the same place, you know. And it starts from being good with the money that you do have, because I know a lot of people who make fifty grand a year and they spend forty five of it. Like that's reality. <laughs> and I know a lot of people who make a hundred grand a year and spend forty five of it. So it all comes down to our cost of living. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the bottom line. What do you want most? Like I said before, versus what do you want right now? Because this either I mean, we've all seen that headline that's just rinse and repeat of recycled content. Is it your first home or is it smashed avo? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The bloody millennials. <laughs> He should coin that phrase. Yeah. You know what? I think for me, I've kind of, I think a lot comes down to just living well within, well within your means. Like I, I feel like a lot of people, and I definitely used to do this as well. Like you'd start earning a certain amount of money, and then you'd start spending more money, and then you're comparing yourselves you to other people. Always kind of live up to that limit. Yeah, who are, who are on the same sort of wage as you, and you and you're comparing yourself to what they've got, or maybe just a bit more. And so you just it's human nature. I think we just continue to think, live. Cool, I'm earning more. I can do more. I can do this. Yeah. I can buy this yeah. stuff. You guys are spot on. Like like bang on. We actually had a whole episode of that in the past on that very subject because. The more money you make, the more—it's it, literally it. The more you spend, you try to keep up with things. And everyone asks, like, "Oh, two years ago I was on fifty grand, and now I'm on one hundred and fifty. Hey. Like, first of all, round of applause—that's a huge, huge pay increase. But now they're spending one hundred and fifty. They're not still spending fifty. So mm. the first thing we do when we get our pay rise is go and buy that brand new uh, Subaru, <laughs> or or whatever it is. Mm. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> seamless, nice. shout out, seamless. Super yeah. nice. <laughs> Great cars. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you go and buy that, you pay for that holiday because you deserve it rather than making a plan to do it over six months. You just go and smack money on everything, left, right, and center. So you're not actually increasing your income value. You're just spending more because mm-hmm. everyone thinks the more I get paid, the more money I have. Yeah, that's only if you manage it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's so true because I remember when we were in the market to, to buy our first house, this one, and um, we were approved up to a certain amount um, from the bank. So so I was like, great, you know, like we can look for houses around this bracket and that's great. And I was going right to the absolute nth degree. But then I, I thought about it and I was like, that's going to be like, if we got a house for this price, that, that'll that be a bit of a stretch to to pay that off, you know? Yep. Like, it'll mean that if we have a drop in income or if something happens, it will be a bit stressful. And then trying to find houses that were below that, that top bracket, which is part of the reason why we started looking in Walkworth. And great place to live. Great Shout out to Walkworth. place to love Walkworth. <laughs> but I think that is, is key because you want to – because I think if you have a house or or have something – if you can um, try and live 
below the absolute maximum, keep your stress levels as low as they can be, there's there's a lot to be said for that, right, if you can. Absolutely. There's less, there's less expectation on money leaving your account every week. Yeah. And, you know, with the whole paycheck to paycheck is a real Kiwi lifestyle, unfortunately, or up until this point. Um, we want to pivot that. But, yeah, so and it's hard um, – like you say, Maddie, you go and you know what the max lend is. Like, if it, let's use round numbers, a million dollars. And you go and look at houses worth a million dollars and you think, is this a good decision? And then you go and look at houses worth 800 and you're like, well, those million dollar houses were a lot cooler. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I want the finer thing in life yeah. um, rather than what's a good decision to get me ahead in the next five years. You know mm. what I mean? And that is just, it's nine times out of 10, unfortunately, yeah. in New Zealand. Mm. Um, so we're just going to change our mindset a little bit. It is. It is all in mindset and, and what is a good decision. So, um, I mean, when you get a max lend from a bank, um, they use different calculators than what we can on the computer as the general public. So we go and figure out what we can lend based on our income and our deposit on 2.8% because that's what they're advertising. They their calculators um, mitigate risk, so it's between 6 and 7%. Mm-hmm. So what they're giving you is almost a worst-case scenario. Again, that that shouldn't change the, the view on it, like you say. You should, well, I think it was one of my first points of this chat, was what if something happens? Will I still be able to pay for this? What if, if you're in a um, two-income household, what if one of us loses our income? Can the other one hold the mortgage? Mm-hmm. You know, mm. that's a really good way to look at it because no one does. It's like, well, we've both got an income. That'll never change. Nothing will ever happen. The unforeseen doesn't happen. No one thought the globe would be shut down for two months. But, <laughs> exactly. But here we are. It certainly came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. So the unforeseen is a pretty scary thing. And again, on the other side of that, managing your risks is really important too. So everyone hates insurance. It's probably the, the, the least loved word in the world, um, although it's an extremely riveting subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's it matters because that's protecting you from the unforeseen. So what if mm-hmm. one of you does lose your income? Well, you've got insurance to cover that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's balancing everything. So, so on that, should everyone have insurance and what should they have? Or like say you're, you're only earning so much that you can just kind of get by, should you be spending stuff on insurance or? Well, if, if, you're, if you can only get by, if you're only just getting by, it means you're spending money. Most of the time it means you're spending money somewhere you shouldn't be. Like you might be putting a pack of ciggies before before paying for insurance. It's all it's all a personal choice, but is that a good financial decision? No way. So I think every single Kiwi has some need of insurance. And what type is that? Uh, it depends on the person. It's case by case, so I can't give blanket advice, but, I mean, let's you, if you've got a car, you need car insurance, at least third party. Mm-hmm. If you've um, got a mortgage, you need life insurance or income protection of some sort most of the time if you've if you're a young family you need life insurance most of the time because you've you're looking up you know you're responsible for more than just yourself now um, so yeah personal insurances are super important bit of a again bit of a taboo subject no one wants to think about the old guy in your living room shoving it down your throat but if you sit down and understand it um, it's really really simple and mm. all it is insurance is simple you're you're paying someone to take risk off your hands and what you don't pay them, the, that risk is on your hands, right? So it's just balancing it. What's worth paying for and what's not. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Again, get 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 personal advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, hey, so a couple of books that I've read to do with finance um, that I thought were quite good were The Barefoot Investor and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The classics. Do, yeah. Do you rate those? Um, and are there some others that you think are good? I rate them very highly. Um, both great, both great books. The money management tool we actually is just a glorified spreadsheet. Um, we've taken all of the barefoot investor concepts and kiwi-fied them a little bit and turned that into a money manager tool. So he, he talks about the buckets and that sort of stuff. Yep, all very specific to Australia though. Very smart man, but uh, we've just we've just made them a little bit more specific to to down here. Um, other good financial books. Oh, there are a whole lot of them. What's a good one that I can think of right now? Oh, you put you can always spot here, right? send them through yeah. and um, we'll mm. add them to the show One of my favourite books that actually that I've just finished, which is more about um, mindset than anything, which I think is a great place to start. And I know you guys agree. Um, mindset is everything. Is Total Recall by Arnie. Arnie's really? Book. Yeah. He's a legend, about, eh? Yeah. I guess it's probably a little bit biased, but I was sucked in mm. big time about how, like, there was just no excuses. Really? And he prioritised everything. Yeah, had no idea how much of a property investor he was before. Yeah, obviously he That's had a cool, very, man. very unique life and life path, but um, great book. Oh, oh, we should get Arnie on the podcast, have a yarn about oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send him a message on the DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. on his number. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm going to add that to my list of books to read. Total Recall. Um, yeah, I love hell of a title. I yeah. know, it's a classic Arnie title. Isn't <laughs> yeah. It? Um, okay, so let's move on to the final question. Final question? Yeah. Are you ready? I feel like I oh, always ask see. it. Should you, you ask, ask it? it this time? Yeah. If you had to only eat three foods, if you could only eat three foods <laughs> for the rest of your life, what would, what would they be? Three foods. Um, is it single foods or meals? Yeah, oh, single, that's a hard single question. foods. This is single something foods. that we. Single foods. No, it's single foods. Oh, it's, oh okay. Oh, yeah. it's, it's always been single thing. foods. Banana. Yeah. Definitely. Um, cucumber. I love cucumber. Okay. And it holds a lot of water, you know. <laughs> wow. I'm um, thinking of benefits here. Uh, <laughs> I've never known someone that brain. loves cucumber enough to include that in their top three. Yeah, I really, really rate cucumber. Oh, my God. Wow. We've got yeah. one in the fridge if you want to take a home with it. <laughs> yeah, well, if you want to eat it. It's essentially just like <laughs> slightly flavoured water. Yeah. You know. Crunchy. Crunchy water. Yeah. It is crunchy water, actually. It's a texture thing. <laughs> um, and my third one would be, oh, that's hard. I've been effective, so I'll go with my passion, and that's potato. <laughs> oh, yum. Versatile. Very versatile. Probably not as um, full of nutrients as my first two, but. You've got to have something. I mean, some yeah. would argue that it is. You've got to live a little. You know, it's about balance. <laughs> and you can make vodka out of it as well. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Potatoes. Yeah. Banana yeah. and cucumber. Love it. That should keep me going. Yeah, definitely. That'll keep you going, at least for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, you've been mentioning how you have people on your podcast. Uh, uh, or you've been interviewing people? Yeah, just on Zoom videos. On Zoom? So actually, how, which how are pretty you... hard to watch. Just, just heads up. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not hey, a technology look, guy. If people want to battle through that, um, how, do they, how do they find these videos? How do they find you? Not physically. Um, yeah, I won't give out my address this time. That didn't work out. <laughs> um, our uh, social media is probably the best place, yeah. So we just use Zoom as a tool to video people, cool people who have cool perspectives on money and investing and getting ahead. 
um, to yeah, just just actually mental mental health and everything. So our social media is Money Men NZ on Instagram at Money Men NZ and the Money Men on Facebook, which I think if you type in at Money Men NZ, it will come up too. Uh, yeah, those are the two platforms we use. That's really me at capacity. Someone told me I should be using YouTube and I'm like... <laughs> oh, YouTube's too hard. <laughs> oh, God. No way. The admin involved with that. Yeah. We tried. I think we did two videos and then we're like, oh, my God, never again. We did. Yeah, yeah we did about <laughs> we did about four or five. Oh, and I'm like... Yeah, well, I was editing our little travel videos for the first bit, and then um, and then we outsourced and sent it to some guy to try and edit one as well. And even that became too hard. It was like, oh god, it's going to be a new respect for YouTubers though, because yeah. they Big have time. to work hard. Big time. Mm. Yeah. Well, I thought, man, I mean, you guys are going to laugh at me here because I know you're really good at it, but Instagram's hard enough. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I've struggled with Instagram, mm. and all we try and do is get across a good message. And I know you're supposed to balance that with lifestyle and everything. Oh, don't worry about that sort of thing. But do man, whatever you feel like mm. doing. I don't like how people tell you, you've got to do this, you've got to balance this, you've got to... I reckon we overthink it, eh? I reckon we overthink I think it. I definitely overthink it. Mm. I definitely memes. Overthink I think it. more memes. I love your memes. Yeah, yeah great memes. <laughs> yeah, that um, I got a, a great bit of feedback on that um, that big tackle. Yeah. The 2020 Kiwi Saver tackle. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. That was and the parallelogram one. I mean, that's a classic. That is a classic, yeah. actually. <laughs> Very relative. Hey. Is a parallelogram just a diamond? I'm a finance guy, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious because the meme is that we learnt it yeah. and none of us know. <laughs> anyway, on that note, thanks for chatting with us. With us um, thanks Charlie. for having me, guys. Until it's been a pleasure. Time. Yeah. Here's to financial health. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for listening. Thank you indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Raw Collective. And for any updates on our podcast or any of the other podcasts under Raw, head to rawcollective.co or you can follow them on Instagram at raw underscore collective.co. But wait, before you go, please subscribe to our podcast and also rate it and review it leave a nice little message leave a smiley face maybe an emoji (laughs) or tell your friends it's super easy it takes two seconds and it would mean so much to us bye bye bye